Welcome back to Libre Canada Books' podcast, Book Fair Babes. I'm Hillary, accompanied by Tristian and Gabrielle. During this COVID era, many publishers, authors, and people in the book business have experienced a new way of networking and promotion through virtual conferences, as well as navigating new social media tools and expectations to continue brand prosperity. Just like us exploring this podcast, some publishers have started their own podcasts, TikToks, or put more emphasis on old-fashioned blogs, and many companies have had to learn virtual conference platforms. Today, we will discuss some of our experiences over the past year, what other people have been doing over social media, and what benefits this can have in the future. Thanks, Hillary. That's a very good intro, good way of framing today's episode. Um, yeah, the online conference. Who knew that this would be what we'd be living in? Um, yeah, this year we've had to uh, participate in way more online conferences than we uh, had ever anticipated. Um, and that we've done, uh, we've also had to pivot to providing online services ourselves um, in the absence of uh, physical fairs that we've been able to attend. And so so that has been a huge learning curve for us as an organization, as it has across the industry, I'm sure. So I'm sure probably um, any publishers listening or people involved in the industry have ha also had experiences with these conferences. And I think if for people who um, might have not put their, you know, wet their feet yet, is that the right? Uh, <laughs> on their feet wet? <laughs> Gotten their feet wet and put their toes in, something like that. Um, but it might be good for them to hear about that, <laughs> a good uh, a good introduction to those, or also just for people who've had experiences too, to hear what, you know, what everybody's experience has been, because I think um, this, it's been new for everybody and it's good to sort of trade notes on what uh, on what's happened. So uh, for us, for example, we, we did, uh, I think, three different uh, shows in the last uh, in the last year, and now we're in the middle of the online uh, London online London Book Fair. I think is the way that they are calling it now. But we also did the uh, ALA uh, Midwinter session. Uh, we did the Northeastern Modern Language Associations uh, conference, uh, and we did the U.S. Book Show for the ALA and the uh, Northeastern Modern Language Association. Um, those were uh, conferences where we typically send our catalogs to Canadian Studies catalog uh, for promoting those titles to uh, librarian audiences or to uh, people who might be interested in the study of Canada or the Canadian literature um, or literary criticism. And so those were why we targeted those particular uh, shows. The U.S. Book Show is a new show uh, this year. It's the first time. It's kind of a replacement for uh, what used to be a Book Expo America, which we had uh, haven't been to in years. We went to the Wrights Fair in New York. I believe it was 2018 that was uh, had some uh, some affiliation to that, but uh, we really had not been uh, uh, participating in that fair for many years. So we we took that opportunity again as a way of promoting. Uh, titles in both our catalogs and just having a, a presence uh, at this new show and checking it out. Um, and of course, uh, on the program side, we've been organizing uh, more uh, meetings between publishers uh, in Canada and publishers abroad. Um, they've also had uh, to use new platforms as well in terms of trying to use these for networking, connecting people. Um, so yeah, so let's talk a little bit about those experiences and how, and how those have gone for us. 
us. Um, so Hillary, can I start with you? Maybe talk a little bit about uh, your first impressions or uh, what what your experience was with was with at least one of these or a couple of these. Sure. So for all the three different um, platforms that were used were the, I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly, Hey Expo, H-E-I Expo for the ALA, HOVA for NEMLA, and then Six Connects for the um, U.S. Book Show. There were different, I think, pros and cons to each of the platforms. I found um in, in chronological order, the ALA one was first, and I did find that app to be the simplest out of the three, which was nice since I was also starting out figuring out how to do it. Um, it was a very simple just uploading the content. They did have deadlines. Um, and I will preface all of this by saying that all three um, book shows had like really great teams in terms of questions or needing support or asking anybody's help they all got back to me like really really fast in terms of any issues I had with like uploading specs or figuring out how to adjust things for um, the way they looked in the final presentation of our virtual booths um, but the ALA was very simple in terms of the links and documents to our catalogs, a couple of visual elements, information about the people that were manning the booth that you could reach out to. So um, for that one, all three of us actually participated in that one, I recall, um, and all of our little photos were there. Um, and it was very easy to see who was viewing our booth, how to get those uh, stats at the end, which this one is my favorite one, because that's the one where for some reason, someone from Microsoft looked at our booth. And I was like, Bill Gates, is that you? Um, but it was not, it was probably not him. Um, but I really enjoyed that one. It was a very simple layout. They had, you know, the same thematics of their colors that ran throughout, um, I think, all of their booths. So I enjoyed that one. It was um, fairly basic in a positive way. The HOVA one was different because that one actually expanded onto a phone app as well, which I can understand being good post-COVID time if we were to do some kind of hybrid where these fairs are a mixture of in-person and we're living lives where we're on the go again and you want to be able to connect um, wherever you are in the world and you are on the way to doing something. I can see that app being really interesting. Um, from what I recall, it had a decent back end in terms of uploading things um you couldn't really see like I didn't find that the booth looked a certain way or had a certain um it was just sort of like our name at the top and then the different links that you could click on almost in like a like a flip book-esque way where it was just like the generic information there wasn't a lot of graphics it wasn't a very busy but all of our information was there um and I know that there were ways to connect with us but I believe that you and I only discovered that after the fact unfortunately um whereas the most recent one the U.S. book show with Six Connects was definitely the most complex to work with. Um, that being said, I think that it had the most opportunity for, for fun elements. If you were um, a business or a publisher that had those, like that style available to you, I think that you could really make your booth look exactly the way you wanted. Everything was customizable. Everything could be tailored to the way that you wanted. For us as a company, we wanted something very minimal. And I think there there could have been an avenue in which they had um, 
booths that were maybe pre-designed for those companies who didn't have all of the time to put that in versus someone who, you know, they're a publishing house with a graphic design team and they want to literally tailor the whole thing to the way that they're like to their branding and style. I liked that you could do those two things. It was a bit overwhelming for a, a small little business like us that isn't doing that. But that being said, we saw um, ECW Presses was phenomenal. They made theirs look very much like their logo and their branding and what their website reflects. So it really, you know, it, it very much streamlined their branding to see their booth in that way. And like I said, despite it being a little overwhelming for me in terms of making it all happen, their team emailed me within the hour often, anytime I needed any help with any graphics. And I did enjoy how customizable it was that you could move where things clicked, how things worked. I was able to see if people were getting in contact with me how many people were looking at our booth live at the same time that I was there as well and I did I thought it was a little cheeky the fact that their platform six connects looks like a um it looks like an event space it was basically a coliseum in the background as the visuals and your booth was literally a table at a stand with clickable elements so it was a little you know tongue-in-cheek to we wish we could be at these events but we unfortunately aren't and I thought that that was really um you know it was sweet and it was nice and there were good and positive, like good positive things about all of them and some difficult things, but overall, I think we were all trying to figure this out together. I see a lot of places where these elements can continue later in life. I know I was recently asked in another element of my life with all of these new virtual things, would you want them to continue? And I referenced, you know, there's a lot of people who are not able-bodied, who were finally able to participate in a lot of these things. There's a lot of reasons for virtual stuff like this to continue and so I think it's good that we're discussing this because it's good to have some familiarity with all of these booths because I don't think that we're going to necessarily shelf this forever and this have been a one-year thing where we did this I think now it's opened doors to being able to do things on an international scale and um, that we maybe couldn't before because of travel yeah for sure I, mean, I think that's one thing the question of accessibility not only just physical accessibility but the it makes it much more uh, possible in terms of the economics of travel, right? So the to pay, um, you know, whatever, uh, let's say a, a sponsorship for or registration for one of these fairs versus paying for a registration, then travel, then stay. Um, this makes it a lot uh, more accessible to people, to organizations who don't necessarily have the, you know, the means to go travel to all of these. And that was for sure I, I like to like the different um the different platforms the way they they display things differently like you mentioned the u.s book show it was much kind of more of a 3d experience like being mm -hmm. there and so when you're i forget which uh i think it's when you're with the, it looked like it was the landing page when you arrived at this virtual fair and it had trees outside it had yeah. bernie sanders <laughs> you know like that <laughs> you know, when he's like sitting with his hands crossed in the famous mitten photo that yes. was the best it just added this like little level of uh, of humanity, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, that we are missing a lot with these kind of two-dimensional online uh, programs. And Tristan, I know you were working on the on the online uh, platform or our profile for London a bit, and you've done you've done other stuff as well. Have you found kind of about like the kind of pros and cons that Hillary has described? I think yes, like. Definitely pros and cons. I think because a lot of these platforms are essentially in their infancy, 
um, the user experience of them is not fully hashed out. So they don't really know, they don't really know how to best serve um, the clients or the guests or whoever, like however you might consider them because they haven't really had time to beta test or go through iterations. It was kind of like, here's a pandemic. It might last six months. Just kidding. It's probably going to last two-ish years. Um, and then people had to scramble to create a bunch of platforms and hire developers to make these things. And they're like, this is what I think we'll need. Um, and we need to get it done in like a couple of weeks. And so they did. Um, I think uh, to, to varying degrees of success. So I think like for a lot of them, um, what I've been saying a lot is that people have a certain user experience expectation when they use digital products. So a lot of the things that people use on a daily basis that are free, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Google, et cetera, they all function pretty much flawlessly almost all the time. Um, and a lot of these platforms did not. You would click a link and it would just kind of lead you into a web of code, <laughs> you know, because it would be like an unfinished page then finished developing. And I don't think people are really used to that kind of experience or super appreciative of it. So I think it made it um, somewhat difficult to enjoy the features. Um, and especially with things where, say it was like a matchmaking tool and it was done by like a proprietary AI. I think a lot of those were not fully developed either because you would get your matches and you'd be like, this has very little to do with what I do. Um, and in some cases, a lot of these platforms cost quite a bit of money, almost as much as physically renting out a stand. So mm -hmm. while I think the accessibility advantages can't be denied, I do think that there are some practical kinks that do need to be worked out for a lot of those platforms. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's some um, that are far more expensive than others. And you wonder a little bit about what that level of service means then if you're paying that much more for something. I think that's also because we're so, I think you make a really good point. We're used to using so much, um, so many platforms or so many different social media platforms for free, even though it's not for free, like where the content really were. <laughs> um, there's no such thing as a free lunch, we're the free lunch. But the, uh, you know, we, we, there's a certain expectation that anything that's sort of digital, that sort of um, should be, should be free and should be good right right off the bat and so when you think about what it, you're paying large amounts uh, for access to one of these platforms what is it that we're, we're paying for what are we getting out of this that we couldn't create you know kind of on our own just as well or use on another existing platform um and so hillary for the uh the exhibits or the i guess the our booths that uh, you created for to promote our catalogs at these conferences. Uh, did you find that they were good uh, forms of branding or good platforms for branding and also for disseminating the works of uh, Canadian publishers and authors? I thought that they were, that they were good. I definitely thought that a lot of the um, different shows had like bigger turnouts. Um, and I know that like there were some where our booth got like quite a few views and some not so much. And obviously that just depends on who's going, but in terms of the work put in and creating graphics and getting everything done, I do think that I, I'm of the belief that any opportunity is really a good opportunity if you have the time and the manpower, because you don't know who's going to be interested or showing up to these things. And as we discussed in the um, 
exporting episode last episode um you never know what's going to be a good networking opportunity you never know who's going to land on your booth so I think that I really enjoyed it I don't like I didn't find any of it really that tedious I found um the only the only one that I found to be tedious was the U.S. book show simply because as you imported and changed elements it took over an hour for the server to up, upload so then you weren't sure how everything worked and that's not um, necessarily their fault um but that was the only thing where um it felt a bit tedious because I was never sure if I was doing if it looked exactly the way I wanted it to and then I would have to wait that hour to follow up um but I I enjoy that type of work of uploading and presenting things and having the graphics and making sure everything's clickable um I enjoyed you know we we got custom graphics made for some of those and those have now lended themselves to different elements they've been good to put on social media as well um so I I think in terms of branding it's just another good use of a tool that you have I think all of these are supposed to be good tools and like I said previously there's nothing saying that these this won't become part of our new reality post-COVID so once you've done this once you have these graphics made once you get you know your feet wet as you said with with <laughs> these boots then I think it's just going to be something that is now recurring so it once once you're prepared a little bit with it I think it just gets easier and easier each time yeah I think for sure that's we the first, I think the first one, the ALA was a bit of like, okay, what do, what do we do for this? And all of them are a little bit different, right? So yeah. one, one will have, you know, like you said, you have to wait like an hour for each element to upload. One will have a, a specific um, uh, size, uh, file sizes that they want for any downloadable items, things like that. So you have to kind of work around them, but we were able to um, be, start to just kind of create a, a living folder of, you know, of materials that we would be able to use again for these. And so that was interesting to see that. And in a way it's made us refine the way that we present ourselves in, in these kinds of platforms, which we hadn't uh, ever had to do before, at least at, at this kind of scale. So that, that was interesting in terms of um, the ability to brand our, ourselves a bit more. I do still find in, in the in the case of uh, our our presence, let's say at ALA and uh, the North Northeastern Modern Language Association conferences, um, again because we used to send physical copies of our catalog there, that's made me really rethink how we're going to do that in the future. If it makes sense to keep to keep that, it does it make more sense for us to do this virtual um, fair? Because the other part is it's hard to know at the end how many people walk away with those copies you know in their hands <laughs> at the at an actual conference um, and what they do with those those copies if that if that actually sort of translates into a sale so this is with the analytics that we can get from this it's a little bit more um, at least you get at least that that information a little bit more firsthand which is which is kind of nice um, that, and that's, I think, a little bit different. So go ahead. I was just going to say that does also translate, like, like you're saying, to direct cost, right? Like the, the cost that it takes to print all of those copies and ship, which isn't as environmentally friendly as the digital ones. And then, that's you know, the, the ease that, like what we've discussed in previous episodes, the ease at which we want catalogs to be legible. I think I would hope that people in post-COVID times are perusing Canadian studies on their subway train on the young line in Toronto and figuring out what books they want to look at or whatever. And then, you know, in comparison to having a physical copy, it's definitely, I think, easier. So if I, I that's sort of the reason why I think that it'll virtual ones will still be 
part of the the way of the future. Yeah. I definitely think so. I mean, you can see that like uh, with one major book fair, like after the 2019 edition, Frankfurt um, is not going to be printing the physical directory like they have every year in the past. They're going to strictly an online directory. And so that would be kind of like a very good example of pace setting. Like if they're going to go to all online, then you're going to see a lot of people follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Those, those directories are like gold at the actual fair. Like the, you know, we, we have to like keep them in reserve so that people don't take an extra one. That's, <laughs> and they, they really are like, and it's like, why, you know, if we can just have, everybody has to have like some sort of computer or tablet with them at the fair anyway, why not have something that's like searchable, downloadable, really much easier to use. And as you mentioned, Hillary, more environmental mentally friendly like that's I think another thing that people are really um that that we're thinking about more and more in the industry right how to make this industry more sustainable and less wasteful um even before the pandemic but I think it's become even more um uh, more pressing now um like like most issues and the for the matchmaking um Tristan have did you find that people so one thing I've noticed with the Again, I wouldn't know because I had never been to the ALA or the, I'm just going to say NEMLA, <laughs> um, but because <laughs> uh, we just ship our, our catalogs there. Um, but I, I did find that they were a little bit, um, they're less engaging in some ways. Like that's a good way of kind of presenting just as sort of like a, out, there's not, there wasn't that much room for, even though there was some matchmaking functions or people could get in touch with us, there wasn't, um, a lot of room for the kind of two-way conversation in the in the matchmaking sessions that you've been in. Did you did you find that those platforms were good for those? Even if, as you mentioned before, there were the matches weren't always exact or great. <laughs> um, I found that like the for now, I would say that like the closest matchmaking that can be done is by people who kind of like um, by people who know both markets to some degree. Um, I think like the AI, when when it looks at things, it will do things basically off of keywords um, because I think a lot of those AIs are not particularly robust yet. So you'll you'll see someone who's like a fiction publisher for adults and they'll be published with another, or they'll be matched with another fiction publisher for adults, but you'll see that their catalogs don't have much in common and they probably would not be buying or selling to each other. Um, huh. So even even with like manpower, like when I do it for the speed dating events, it's still hard to find an exact match because you only have a certain pool to draw on, right? Like only interested participants can be used for a session. So even if another publisher looks like a perfect fit, if they haven't registered, then you can't you can't make use of uh, what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I mean that speaks to I think the bigger issue of whether it's a physical matchmaking session or like an online platform for this is the level of engagement, right? So I think the, I think it just means that your level of engagement has to be that much higher when you're only doing that, the online presence, because again, you know, we were talking about even in a meeting, like how physical, like body language can, can convey so much, whereas you can't do that now, right? I feel like a hashtag is not going to make, is not going to get you as excited about being at a fair as it, as, you know, actually being there, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of like a, a physical, tangible 
element that's missing to a lot of these digital platforms and digital sessions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if those publishers who are really engaged and making that extra effort are, are the ones who are making the most out of those platforms. And I, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to be flippant, but you know, we have all experienced this like zoom fatigue, right? Like we can't this, a lot of, the, well, maybe some of us more than others, <laughs> but you know, this idea of being exhausted by being online all the time. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that also affects the ability of uh, certain publishers or certain companies to be that engaged with them. Um, as they're as they're using them sometimes for the first time right well I mean I know publishers who um, a lot of their staff may not be as tech savvy I know that it's been very difficult for them like you know very small publishers who might be one two or three people running the entire operation if yeah. if none of them are tech savvy then the past year or so of only digital platforms mm -hmm. has been essentially a nightmare for them yeah probably um, it's a relatively steep learning curve like i think for for people my age who are like not quite born with a phone in our hands but almost it was still um it was still quite an adjustment to be online like 12 or more hours a day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i yeah, agree having to learn them all yeah, yeah every you know every little platform has like slightly different nuances so while like well, what Hillary said applies, like once you learn how to like set up your graphics, upload your catalogs, fill in the information, add your profile photo to one platform, it kind of is similar to the others, but they're, they're all just different enough that it's like a new experience yes. every time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, I, I mean, I see it as like, it's, but there's both, right? There's some, some groups of people who had the, you know, we're not tech savvy, really, really struggled and who would have preferred in-person networking. And then there's some who this was an opportunity to go to more events because they didn't have to leave and they didn't have the maybe funds to travel to all of these places. They didn't have to worry about distribution costs. And for them, this was easier. So I always, I think that we'll just probably see so many more hybrid events as opposed to just one because all of these people, from the perspective of the person running the event, if you want the most people participating, the most money, the most whatever, then you're probably going to want to offer it now in as many ways as possible. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't put all of my eggs in one basket if there are certain groups of people who, you know, maybe there's now there'll be room for an international element of these different events where it is only people, it is only virtual and it's all people, you know, come from away style who start setting up virtual booths and it's an opportunity to see all these international publishers versus some that will be more of a homegrown thing like the ALA is and people will still be encouraged to travel, you know, once everyone can and is vaccinated again. I, I see the world having both opportunities. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any going back, right? It's the, no. <laughs> there's no going back in terms of that. And I, there is, for for example, in my position, one of the things I, I've gotten to do, I've been very privileged, uh, very lucky to do, have been to go to like London Book Fair in Frankfurt. And usually my role at that is going to industry conferences to find out what's happening in the industry so that can help us get information to help publishers here who weren't able to go um, and also find out, you know, who is working on what so that we can uh, hopefully use their services in, you know, creating our webinars or our reports and that sort of thing. Um, so, but 
and that was, a, again, a huge privilege because there was a huge cost attached to it. Of course, I would go to the conference to get that really vital information. And also I was there, would help out at events, usually at the at the networking reception. I remember there was one networking reception where Hassel and I were uncorking bottles and serving <laughs> <laughs> serving drinks like things happen you know it's the, these these things happen but so we're, we're the, there's also you know i'm there to do other things as well but often it would go for two days to just be able to go to that conference and come back and so now um i can do that from here and that's that's a huge cost saving for us it's mm -hmm. a huge time saving for us also right and so as much as i love going to london or much going to frankfurt um if i could do that from here you know maybe go to frankfurt every three years or go to london every five years something like that that that's i think a, that's a big win for our organization especially an organization of our of our of our size yeah I agree with that. I know that like my my father's experiencing similar things with his own role, but then his difficulty is the the flip side, which is then the um, the time difference. So it's getting up at four in the morning for those conferences because he is still here on Canadian soil. And I know that we had meetings during that time. You're like, I've been up since five. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, will yeah. Be, that will be all of our Canadian publishers um, when we do our trade mission with um, with Singapore. <laughs> Thanks to the lovely, lovely 12 hour time difference. There's no oh, yeah. winning with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, I can imagine. But they probably appreciate not having jet lag, right? <laughs> right, I haven't experienced yeah. jet lag in more than a decade and I'm not looking forward to experiencing it again. No, no. You, you know, know, I haven't experienced jet lag in like a decade either. Yeah, that's great. I don't go places. I mean, pandemic aside, where was I going? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hadn't actually gone anywhere where I got jet lag until I started this job. And then again, it was like jet lag for a couple of like for a day and a half there, and then jet lag for a day and a half back. coming back. <laughs> Beautiful. Beauty. Yeah. 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 So this, you know, this might this will probably work out well for me <laughs> in yes. my in my own way. Um well, I know I know a lot of other companies are asking sort of the same question in terms of like not only are all of these uh but with sort of what we've already said of just like is the networking in person worth all of these costs and i i guess we're sort of already saying that in terms of like two i think two out of three of these virtual booths there weren't really networking opportunities in terms like it was just sort of messaging people if you had questions at the booth so I guess I'll ask the question, what do you like, what do you think would be the perfect hybrid? Like, how do you see these maybe virtual booths growing in a way that does have that? Like I, I've, I've attended one recently that had like a chat option for just like the individual people. You could see what association they were with and you could just chat to that person specifically. Do you think more things like that would make these booths better? Because that's going to be the question now, right? How can we make these booths as close to in-person as possible if this is the route we continue? Justin, do you have uh, a response? I mean, hmm, how to personalize the booths? I mean, I think that it's a good question. I think it will be something that people are going to have to kind of figure out an iterative process as more virtual events are being held. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe like integration with 
Zoom might be helpful. Like I know a lot of these platforms are separate from Zoom, which makes sense, but I think like some kind of connectivity for you to be able to book Zoom meetings with people um, integrated into the platforms would be good. Kind of the same way that you have it integrated with Outlook now. Mm -hmm. um, that could be a way of doing it. Um, I, I think if they find a way also to make it somewhat more like a social network, that might be a way that can help. So in the way that social networks where people have friends, you can add like lists of current business partners, past business partners, like prospective or hopeful business partners, and then have these kinds of lists and have it feel more connected. That might be, those might be some ideas. Yeah, I mean, that made me think of the current online London book fair that's happening right now, right? It's, we're still in it until mm -hmm. the end of this week. And um, one of the things I noticed, there's a connections panel and, you know, the people like so-and-so has connected you, this person has connected you, has connected to you. Um, and so it's kind of like adding a contact list. Um, and then some people can, I've had a couple of messages through there already. Um, and that that's interesting. I wonder where th those contacts would live afterwards, though, if it's somebody that you want to, you know, it's like, a, it's kind of like a LinkedIn experience. Um, and so I think a lot of these kind of are, you can, you can sort of see where this person works and what they're doing. You can either message them directly and then make some sort of connection with them. But then how do you keep those connections off, like, after the event off platform, yeah. unless there's a way of maybe directly linking to LinkedIn, you know, something that people are already using for that, uh, for that purpose. Or what's that new one that, that is it clubhouse? Yes. About that. Yes. You know, like but that a, one from my understanding is just almost like old school chat rooms where one person is sort of speaking and people can join in and listen to a, a conversation. Uh, okay. So it's like modernizing something that's already like an old school concept. Okay. Um, just that, and that way you can have more private chats in, in there. Yeah. From my understanding, like from a few podcasts I've listened to, like Elon Musk has been in there talking about Bitcoin. And if you get invited to that basically chat, you can listen to this conversation, but you do have to be invited, but it can still hold like hundreds of people. Okay. Yeah. But I think like, I like, I, like I was saying, I was asked sort of about this recently from a different, um, from not a book standpoint, but a different company standpoint. And I, I think that like, not only Zoom integration, but integration with social media, where instead of Zoom breakout rooms, it's maybe like an Instagram live where you can literally get to see like these companies, social medias so that you can then develop those contacts or like you're saying where there's almost this like LinkedIn aspect of adding these connections. Because I think without integrating it into something else, Mm -hmm. it becomes a one-time experience that lives in this little bubble of time and then what do you do with that experience except hope to be better at the next booth but what did you take like you have to be able to take those connections and either like export to those people or network or do something further with that and so I think that you know in different like I 
in um in one of my one of my many side hustles in the beauty industry like we're often encouraged like you know there will be more about all of these topics on our social media and there is a social media specific for beauty advisors to go to so when you're directing the people that you've connected with in these zoom calls or in these booths to now another platform that can exist past the period of the event then you are sort of trying to keep those connections and i see i see that being a really good avenue for these as well it's like we've all met because we're publishers or in the book industry and now if you go to you know the the instagram where this event is constantly being promoted we'll have like weekly sessions on this or we'll have these discussions or these q a's or you know a way to ex expand it further than just we meet once a time during winter and this was the ala not to call it the ala but for example yeah for sure for sure that's the because it just becomes really you know just lives off in the ethers and so you know those are connections that you don't necessarily make again or maybe like even just something as simple as like a downloadable maybe they do this already <laughs> but maybe like a downloadable like a csv file or something with all the contact information of the people that you've met like that might be something really it's that simple i'm not yeah. I'm, I'm, now i'm gonna have to go look at the london i'm, gonna, I'm going straight to the london book fair <laughs> profile to see what the, what that if they have something like that there i know we were given the analytics for the people who visited our booth specifically it would be really cool to see like anyone who tried to connect with with you any kind of like csv or transcript of like these people sent you messages and then some way of even if it's like you know just the email addresses that they had to sign up for their booths you know to keep it still private i think that that would be really interesting yeah yeah, yeah. especially if you're working in at conferences that have vastly different time zones like we were talking about right if you can't well, yeah. if everyone in london has is just ending their day or you're just starting the day as they're ending and you may have missed a few things it'd be good um a good way to keep track of, of those of those people who have at least flagged that they're interested in you even if you're not there at yeah. the moment that they're that they're operating especially with more and more of these things offering like they record the the webinars or discussions and you can go back and watch later so you're literally not even coming on maybe at the same time as anybody else and you miss yeah. those opportunities that would be really great because i know there's been different ones i've participated in in different aspects of my life where it's like you the whole thing's recorded and you can watch it at any point in time but then you you miss the networking aspect you don't get to see the conversation so if they can like transcribe the group chat that you can see you know like who said something of interest to you that maybe you didn't think that person had something relatable to you you your organization or whatever and then you can go back yeah or just even like all the chat that often the links that are provided in the chat function whether it's zoom or webex you know during yes. the presentation um, those are invaluable a lot of the time because it's not, sometimes when the people are talking too quickly or it's not you know it might be a slide but it's not you can't direct you know click. you can't link to it directly in the mm -hmm. presentation you can't click so th that's also really useful i'm sure it'll get better and better um but you know at the same time it's like how much uh once we start going to more back to more in physical like physical uh presence or, or in-person fairs i wonder if people will be as invested in in improving the the digital side of things hopefully they will be i think they i think we've I think we've made a good case for it. <laughs> yeah, all we want is to improve the digital, not the real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that'll be interesting too to see what what effect it'll have on the real one. Like Tristan, you were already mentioning, Frankfurt is going to a completely digital uh, fair directory, right? So how how is that going to impact? If, what are the other impacts we're going to see? Are there going to be fewer, smaller delegations of publishers going that sort of thing? I mean, certainly. Um... 
<laughs> I think for the rest of our lives, we'll see more robust hygiene protocols everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be, do you get our temperature taken every time we walk in and out of a, a fairground? Um, <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. For travel for the rest of forever. I heard from some, one of the speak, one of somebody who was uh, doing one of our, speaking at one of our webinars, they had been traveling quite a bit during the pandemic as part of their work, I suppose. And they were like, yeah, travel has been great because the plane is practically empty. <laughs> so the few flights that you could get, there weren't, there's like, it's just like, there's room on the plane. So like, I'm going to miss that when things go back to normal. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like sardined again. <laughs> I am not looking forward to like how packed these, like now that things are finally lifting these next few months, everyone's going to try. Like, I don't think I know a single person in my personal life who recently hasn't been like, oh, I'm going, we're going RVing all the way to Vancouver. We're going to Newfoundland. We're going to the East Coast. Like everyone is now going, no one is going to be where they're supposed to be until maybe oh, October. Oh wow! Just I'll in time. October. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going anywhere until October. I, I, well, we know I am, but <laughs> it, it's been well deserved. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, all right. Well, well that was another thanks, episode. Yeah, yeah, another episode of Book Fair Babes. Um, tune back next time. We're going to be discussing how to connect with interna international market experts. Should be a very informative episode. So thank you guys, my book fair babes. Also, thank you for always being my emotional support babes um, when building these booths. You guys have been invaluable. <laughs> All right. Tune in next time, guys. Bye. 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 Nous remercions le gouvernement du Canada pour son soutien financier offert par l'intermédiaire du Fonds du Livre du Canada. We thank the Canada Book Fund component of the Government of Canada for their financial support.